Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken with you here. Pleased to be joined by my good friend and co-host of this podcast, as well as the 2080 Baseball Podcast. You should be listening to that right now. Well, not right now, because you should be listening to the Sports Block Podcast. But here he is, Travis Krins. Uh, Mr. Krins, how are we doing? Both at the same time. Both, yeah. You know what? One in each, uh, one in each earbud. I think that would work just fine. Uh, if you can keep you straight. There you go. That's right. Or back-to-back. I mean, however you want to do it, listen to both, though. Uh, actually, kind of a lot to get to today, uh, or this week. NBA draft is this week. And lo and behold, the Philadelphia 76ers have pulled off a trade with the Boston Celtics. What a shock. Danny Ainge pulling off a trade to uh, pile up more assets, more draft picks. And, uh, yeah, he has sent the number one overall pick to Philadelphia for uh, the third pick this year and then also a pick, I believe, next year, correct? Or is it 2019? If it is, it is the Lakers pick next year, and if it is between two and five, then Boston gets it. If yep. it isn't, then they don't get it next year. And they get the Kings 2019, get- right? And they get the Kings 2019 pick as long as it's not number one. So there you go. So crazy uh, how this all worked out, but uh, the 76ers are going to take uh, Markel Fultz from Washington by all indications. And now people are all of a sudden looking at Joel Embiid and Jaleel Okafor and Ben Simmons and uh, Markel Fultz and saying, hey, look at this 76ers team here. They might be able to do something, Uh, which I would say pump the brakes. Uh, Oh, is this the best core in the NBA? I I would also say pump the brakes on that because you have guys that can't stay healthy. And I would look to a team in the Midwest, in the Twin Cities area, and say, yeah, maybe that's the best core right now. Uh, best young core in the league. Uh, are people overreacting to what could be in Philadelphia come Thursday night? You know, all those teams you mentioned, they all suck. Uh, Philadelphia doesn't matter. Uh, I, don't, I don't like, I think the trade was good for Boston. They're, they're going to pick Josh Jackson probably. Yep. I think he'll be just fine. Um, you know, it's, it's apparently a deep draft. Top, you get no five, ten guys deep. I think anybody's going to be very good. I don't know if there's Maybe uh, is there any all stars in this thing? I don't know. Maybe a couple. But I don't think it's going to be Markel Fultz. I sure as fuck don't think he's going to be an all star. Uh, so what Boston has? Boston has uh, obviously Brooklyn's first round pick next year, which is probably going to be in the top three. Mm-hmm. They have their own first round pick, which is only going to be very good. And they could possibly have the Lakers first round picks. They could have uh, if the Lakers are bad again, and if they're in the top five, Boston could have two of the top five picks. My God. And then the next year, 2019, they have their own first-round pick, which probably won't be good. They have the Clippers' first-round pick. Who knows how good the Clippers are going to be in two years. And they have the Grizzlies' first-round pick. So they have, uh, in the next three years, they have something like eight, seven or eight first-round picks. So and I, I, I like the... Sorry, yeah. continue. I like the trade. I would say it's a good trade. Because I don't, Markel Fultz, I don't know why he's been the number one guy here for like five months. I don't know what so he can score. I don't know what's so great about him uh, compared to anybody else. It would seem that Boston would be that team that's going to take Cleveland's place once LeBron retires or leaves uh, to go to the Western Conference. 
to be that team that would be the uh, overwhelming favorite to win the Eastern Conference year in and year out. Uh, this this trade, though, just everyone talking about Philadelphia being that team. Could they be a playoff team next year? Certainly. I mean, we don't know what's going to transcend or, and happen in free agency because that sometimes often dictates where we think teams are going to end up. I mean, Gordon Hayward leaving Utah for most likely for Boston, if he does leave. I mean, Utah certainly can <clears throat> offer him a little more money, but my guess is he would want to play with his uh, college head coach, Brad Stevens, and join a, a Boston Celtics team that is certainly uh, one of the teams on the come, on the rise. Uh, so, I mean... From that standpoint, I would say that Utah then is probably not going to be a playoff team next year because they also might lose um, uh, a Hill, right? George Hill. George Hill. Yeah, I think he. I think he might be a free agent. So they're going to lose a bunch of people too. So how this how Utah relates to Philadelphia is I'm just making the comparison that just because you add someone, you might be able to. The Eastern Conference is very weak. But it all depends on how the other Eastern Conference teams act in free agency and also draft. And like I said, to begin the, the podcast, Philadelphia has a lot of guys who have been injured. Joel Embiid. I mean, Ben Simmons missed the entire season last year. So how, how are we supposed to just all of a sudden give them the title of, oh, hey, this team's going to the playoffs. They're going to be a challenger. You can't do that at this point. No, I was surprised people were sitting on Boston like they were and saying, oh, what's Boston doing? Well, it's fine. Um, yeah, I'm not big on Philadelphia. It doesn't sound like you are either. And B, I don't expect he'll ever be healthy. When he's healthy, he's, uh, he's great. Yep. But I don't think he'll ever be healthy, which is a shame. And Ben Simmons hasn't played a game yet. So I'm not putting my eggs in that Philadelphia basket. I, they're not making the playoffs next year. they got to go 500, and they got to be... 13, 14 games better than they were this year, and I don't see that happening whatsoever. So, yeah, I don't like Philadelphia whatsoever. Uh, another terrible move by them to get a guy. I could have had Josh Jackson or whoever else they could have picked a three if they would have been in the same spot. So to give up, uh, not only their, their, their pick, uh, not only these future picks, I mean, they, they could use two in the top five next year, but they're not going to get that because... They need Markel Fultz. Well, good, good don't they need a point guard, though? Sure. So, I mean, if, you, if, if you're they, looking if at they it... Think, for, sure. If they think he's the guy, then uh, go and get him. And maybe Ainge... Well, I think Ben, ben Simmons is probably, I don't, know, well, I don't know, who the hell is playing what position. Ben Simmons is going to be a point guard or handle the ball some, but yeah, Fultz, I guess, would fit it. I mean... Ainge said in his press conference that they would the player that they like the most in this draft is going to be available at three. I mean, and that's who they would have taken at number one. So that would indicate then that it'd be Josh Jackson from Kansas. Now maybe he's just is saying that to make people think that oh, Philadelphia got swindled here because more than likely the Lake, if that were the case, if Jackson would have gone one, the Lakers are going to take Ball with the number two pick. Uh, and then Josh Jackson, or then uh, Markel Fultz would still be with Philadelphia at number three, and they wouldn't have to give up next year's first-round pick or 2019, however it all plays out. So in that case, I would say if Boston played Philadelphia 
from that standpoint. And I just, I, I just don't know about a guy who led his team to eight victories last year, nine victories. Nine. I mean, nine. So, sorry, I don't want to shortchange him, but I mean, yes, he's a great player. But how can I mean if if he couldn't make Washington a winner, how is he going to turn around Philadelphia? He isn't. Well, there we go. Who is the uh, who is the best? Which team has the best young core? And uh, the parameters are a little difficult to to go about with this because I mean, what what age do you cap this off at? But if you were to look, Golden State, their core is pretty goddamn young. They're all under thirty. Yep, it's pretty good. I would I would say if we were looking at like twenty three or twenty four years old, that being the the cap. It, well, Minnesota's guys are all like twenty one. Right. So hell, they're they can't even drink yet. Right? I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to skew the question towards favoring Minnesota, but it just seems to me that people saying looking at this Philadelphia 76ers team filled with a bunch of injuries, I, I would go towards Minnesota, and I don't even think there's really that close of a second place apart from if we want to say Golden State just because Clay Thompson and you know Steph Curry, Draymond Green are so young, and even Kevin Durant's not that old. If Minnesota was in the East, they'd be a playoff team. That's unfortunate that they're in the West. Yep. I still don't think they're making the playoffs next year anyways. That's unfortunate for them. I'd say if Boston likes Markel Fultz, they would have picked him. They obviously don't don't like him enough, so I don't think Josh Jackson's their guy. So if you can get the guys you were going to pick all along and get another first-round pick in a year or two, then that's just uh, swindling, swindling folks again. Looking at, uh, I mean, the NBA draft is, I feel, so much more difficult than the NFL draft because you have guys that we've never heard of from Lithuania and France and all this other nonsense. There are a lot more trades, it seems like, in the NBA draft than the uh, than the NFL draft. But looking at this here, I, I'm just looking at, uh, at CBS Sports, and I don't know why. Uh, there's just one that I Googled here, and... Who do you think they have the Lakers taking at number two? Hopefully it's Lonzo Ball, because that's who they're taking. They do not. This We're stupid. This this guy, Reed Forgraves, has him taking De'Aaron Fox out of Kentucky. Now, Fox has really jumped up the boards here, I would say, solidifying himself uh, kind of in that discussion in the two in the two three range there. Uh Boston's not gonna take him. I don't see him sliding past the Suns at four. But uh I mean in the the description is oh what the hell the Lakers have been sending out signals that Lonzo Ball isn't as done a deal as it has been portrayed. Uh he says do I think the, the Lakers will pass on ball? Probably not. Do I think they could? Absolutely. And Fox, I mean, he, he clearly proved throughout the season that he was the best player on that Kentucky team, uh, more than Malik Monk, who's a great player in his own right and probably won't fall past the the Timberwolves at seven, maybe, or maybe eight. He won't fall out of the top ten, that's for sure. But uh, would De'Aaron Fox make more sense for the Lakers than Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball's going to Lakers. We know this. This is this is done. This is a done deal right there. I don't think I know De'Aaron Fox. But between the two, I guess I, I guess I'd rather have De'Aaron Fox. I guess between the two, there's a little more offense. It seems to be with De'Aaron Fox. So I, I would take him. 
between the two. All right. So uh, would you have Fox, though, then going four to Phoenix? Yes, that would make the most sense to me. Okay. Five is the Kings. Jason Tatum is being mentioned here as the the, the small forward. Does that make sense? Yes, I would go with him. Uh, the Kings, they need anything and everything. So just take whatever guy you like the best. Doesn't matter position. You need anything and everything. Jason Tatum's a guy. Uh, go ahead and pick him. Uh, the Magic... Uh, Perhaps Lori Markinen from uh, the the freshman from Arizona, power forward. That would make some sense. Timberwolves at seven. The small forward Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. Um, I, I I don't know about this. I would almost go Monk, but then at the same time, the Timberwolves already have a lot of shooters and guys like Andrew Wiggins and Levine, yeah, and you know, you got Dunn and. Um, Ricky Rubio, so perhaps Malik Monk doesn't make a lot of sense here. Jonathan Isaac certainly can be a guy, but I don't know. Is, is Florida State kind of petered out, or you know, in in the NCAA tournament, getting blown out by Xavier? Didn't really impress a whole lot. Is this Jonathan Isaac guy worthy of the praise at seven? He's a long son of a gun, so I would take Malik Monk because they need a shooter. Because Ricky Rubio's not good at shooting. Uh, Chris Dunn didn't do anything last year. They need three-point shooters, and they don't have any. Uh, so they need some three-point shooters to get into this century with the way basketball is played. So he'd be the best guy if he's there. And then if they don't take him, they shoot the bet. They shoot the bet, I think. Uh, Nothing Isaac, you know, he's a 6'10 guy with a wingspan here to Kentucky Long, so uh, he, he, he can play down low. Malik Monk... Uh, going eight here to the Knicks. The the Mavericks going to take some guy from a point guard from France. Uh, then the Kings with their second pick at ten. Uh, Dennis Smith, point guard from North Carolina State. Again, a, a phenomenal freshman who didn't do shit for his team here. Lead them at all. And then you get outside the top ten, and you got some interesting names coming up here. Uh, Luke Kennard, eleven to Duke. Uh, and again, this is just the one mock draft I'm looking at here on CBS Sports, ESPN, uh, Sports Illustrated, Fox probably has one too. They, they all Yahoo, they all have different guys. So I'm just everyone's going to have something different here. But Justin Jackson, 13 to the Nuggets. We both uh, like him. You know, he went to to UNC. He was a great player. I would have liked him to come back. He really didn't have a great uh, championship game. Yet North Carolina still was able to beat Gonzaga. Speaking of Gonzaga, you have Zach Collins, the center, going 14 to uh, the Heat. I mean, they're – and then you just look at the rest, and it's like, okay, this – I mean, Caleb Swan again could go to the Jazz perhaps, or the, I've seen some drafts have him going 27 to the Nets. Um, Josh Hart going 29 to the Spurs. I mean, how good would that be? For we get a little pickup for that. For that, I mean that that they would could, be... they, could, they, could, they get to the uh, they get to the second round and lose right away with John Hart. Uh, what about if Nigel Williams Goss went to San Antonio uh, at fifty nine? Let's say that'd be all of a steal for them. I think they'd like them like him a lot. He seems like a guy that would fit. So I mean, Timberwolves. Just... Timberwolves took twenty one three pointers last year, least in the league. 21 three-pointers. A game, not, not just for the season. No, yeah, they took one amongst. That's 21, <laughs> yeah, 21 a game. Nobody, nobody, nobody did that. Terrible. Well, I mean, if if Levine doesn't get injured, though, 
then they are likely going. To, that number should would likely increase, right? Does it mean like shoot three? I think so. I mean, he's a pretty good sharpshooter. So then, would Malik Monk make sense there at at seven? No, they need a three point shooter. They need a three point shooter back. So he's you know, ball is one. We know who's one, two. We think he. We know who's three. I'm pretty sure he's got to be seven. Unless there's some other three point shooter out there. Uh, Mr. Johnson here, uh, Levine, yeah, he shot six and a half threes a game, which almost doubled what he did the year before. So, yeah, this guy likes to shoot threes. He shot 38%. So, uh, yeah. So you would take him over Isaac then between the two? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, we'll see what happens there. Any other uh, intriguing notes as the NBA draft comes upon us this Thursday? You mentioned Swanigan, your guy? Yep. Uh, Frank Jackson. Yep. Uh, T.J. Leaf. Yep, the Lonzo Ball's teammate. He's out there. Bam Adebayo from Kentucky. Who else we got in this damn thing here? Jonathan Motley, Long Dangley from Baylor, who go in the second round. Uh, let's see. Pop, pop, pop. I know you like the European guys, like a dad, goddamn Russian. Uh, hockey draft in the second round. <laughs> uh, Frank, Frank Mason with Kansas. Monty Morris with uh, Iowa State. Those are some folks. Some folks. So. How, about, how about Jordan Bell from Oregon uh, or Tyler Dorsey and then uh, the uh, the other guy, Dylan Brooks. I mean, I love Dylan Brooks. I don't even see him on this list unless I've unless I've missed him. There, there he is, 51 to the Nuggets. Why the hell did the Oregon Ducks crew all go uh, and declare themselves draft eligible? If they're, they're it, it, pervert, you know, just looking at this mock draft, they're not going until the second round. Why the hell would they leave and not come back and try and boost their draft stock? That's dumb to me. Bad, bad decision, possibly? Yes. Bad decision? Poor decision, very I, poor. Poor. Very poor to be a the 50th pick of the draft. Let me come back and do better than that, Christ. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna be in Watertown calling baseball. So I'm very disappointed. I'm missing the draft. I missed the last trip because I was driving to Denver. So uh, God damn it, I say that. Well, I'll, I can I can text you and uh, give you some picks. I'll probably be on the golf course, but I will certainly follow along and uh, I can uh, send you. Uh, uh, updates if you need them. I'll see, I'll see what uh, what ESPN three has to offer. Assuming it starts at six o'clock. Yes. Uh, we should be about good four innings into the game. Uh, I mean, see what ESPN three has to offer. I kind of keep dibs on it a little bit, but uh, eh, we'll see. What um, I, I do love Jay Billis. Uh, he is one of my favorite analysts, even though he tends to be somewhat condescending at times or tries to uh, show off his lawyer language. I do love him a lot on this draft. Uh, out of like, let's say the just looking at NFL Network or ESPN for the NFL draft, ESPN for the NBA draft. Who is the best draft analyst uh, currently out there right now? Yeah, Fran Fraschilla for your European guys. Yep. Draft analyst. Well, Billis he watches them. Um, I mean, you got Mike Mayock for the NFL Network. He's there. Yeah. Jay, I guess Jay Billis would be as good as any because he's probably seen him more than anybody. Like, there's not that guy out there that's like breaking down the tapes like uh, your other guys, your football guys. 
thought they've got um, well, I'm sure they'll have like Reese Davis hosted, and they'll have Jade Millis and Fran Frischilov uh, by the uh, Porter Potties, and they'll have uh, <laughs> who else? And Bill Simmons on a tier. I know you're a big fan of Bill Simmons. Oh, I love you? Bill Simmons. Oh, love the BS. Podcast every week. I know you do. Yep. Uh, hey, who else they have on there? I mean, Jalen Rose. I don't know. Oh, great! Yeah, Jalen Rose. You know what? He knows his basketball, so I'll let him just stick with that. Should give Jalen Rose some credit here. He was correct in some regard that the fight between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor was going to happen. It's just going to happen three months after he had said initially. He booked it that it was going to happen during Kentucky Derby weekend, and uh, he was wrong. Uh, so he needs to stick to just basketball. So, yeah, maybe he'll show up there. Uh, Paul Pierce certainly seems to be making a name for himself with uh, de- declaring Kevin Durant the best player in the NBA, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe they'll throw him out there too. I, I don't know. What? Yeah, didn't you hear him th- during the NBA Finals say that Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA? Oh, I don't think he'll be part of the draft coverage. Well, I would hope not, because with analysis like that, he doesn't deserve to be on there. But uh, only number two. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe Kawhi Leonard's got something to say about that. No, no. Uh, pick a pick a year, pick a draft year. Okay, I will go with 2012. Okay, it's like Oganer. Pick pick a top ten pick. Uh, seven. Harrison Barnes. Um, not the worst pick, but has certainly not been the best. Um, do you want me to pick another pick in that year? Sure. Uh, pick another year. Another year. Okay. Uh, are we just doing lottery picks here, or are we any pick? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do a couple. Uh, t- Two thousand six. Twenty. And what's that? Top twenty. Top twenty. Okay. Uh, let's go. I'll go pick. Pick number nine. Patrick O'Brien. Uh, that that was pretty bad. I don't know who that guy is. Um, Some sophomore from Bradley, a big bastard that wasn't any good. Uh, Golden State. That's why you're taking two guys. I've gone to Golden State. Patrick O'Bradley, who last year or in the uh, he played for the Taiwan Beer. Taiwan Beer. Played all of uh, 90 games in the league, averaged a salty 2.1 points. Mm. Patrick O'Brien, the ninth man taken in the 2006 draft. Oh. One more. All right, uh, let's go 2014, and we will oh. go pick number 12. Dario Saric. Oh, Saric. Um, he's with Philadelphia now. Yeah, and yeah. wasn't he up for like rookie of the year or something? Thirteen points per game. He wasn't terrible, so not awful. Not awful. Um, yeah, let's see. 2014 drafts doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. No, Looking at it here, I think this is just a kind of a crapshoot. I mean, and. The whole land, and may I just say that the Minnesota Timberwolves have, they are the reason why the landscape of the NBA is what it is today, because if David Kahn wasn't a con artist as a GM, 
Yes, pun intended, and very much so. It's not the first time I've used it. won't be the last. Uh, the Timberwolves would have Steph Curry right now. And so we're not talking here about a potential super team with the, the Warriors or however. You know, how, who are, who's going to beat the Warriors? Not saying that the Timberwolves would have won an NBA championship, but, uh, but certainly uh, taking Steph Curry over both... Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn from Syracuse. Uh, that's got to be going on, I would say, David Kahn's tombstone when he dies. That uh, he picked Flynn and Rubio over Curry. 2009, pretty good draft. Blake Griffin went one. James Harden went three. Uh, Minnesota at five and six. Curry went seven. Yep. Whoops. Yep. Whoops. I just I remember that draft and say what the hell because this was after this was after the Curry uh, run then the Davidson run to the Elite Eight correct or did was that a year after? He was only a junior. He left. He left early. Okay, so I, I can only imagine that they they took uh, they took Rubio and he didn't come over right away. What took him a year? Yep. So they had Johnny Flynn who was terrible. And I can only imagine they're like, well, maybe we can trade Rubio or something. Maybe he won't even want to come here. But he did. He's been okay. He's been fine. But uh, he's gotten better as, he, as the years have gone on. Opportunity there to uh, to pick a Hall of Famer. That didn't happen twice. Twice. Yeah. Christ. That's and that's that's the worst part of it, too. So uh, David Kahn. There really I'm, wasn't any. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was picked ninth. Brandon Jennings tenth. Um, there's not a whole lot of a lot of guys here. Not a whole lot of guys that oh, you could have picked this guy, you could have picked that guy. There weren't a bunch of guys, so it was slim pickings after the uh, after Minnesota picks. So he had Curry, DeRozan. That's about it. Just looking here at NBA. Uh, Dot com's mock draft here. One of them, they have Malik Monk going six to Orlando. Jonathan Isaac still going seven to Minnesota, and then uh, another European that Frank uh, Natilkina going eight to to the Knicks. Dennis, God bless you. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. So, um, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But uh, it's bound to be an interesting draft. I always like the NBA draft in part. It's two rounds. It's four hours. Five hours tops. Yeah, I mean, just it, it's interesting, and uh, it always coincides with the big celebration at Cubby's in Brookings. That's how I know when uh, when the NBA draft is. Whenever Cubby's has, or vice versa, when the Cubby's celebration is, uh, their anniversary seems to coincide with the NBA draft. I don't know if it will be this year. If maybe they'll uh, do it next week, but uh, or if they even are still doing it, because obviously I'm not in Brookings. But uh, fun little tidbit there. Good observation by you. So, that was that was always a good night. That was always a good night. Um, and and uh, now I guess we have the whole Paul George. What? Yeah, yeah, Paul George. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, Paul George telling the Pacers, "Yeah, I'm not going to stick around here uh, after you know free agency. You know, or after next season, I'm going to test free agency." And uh, reports are that he really wants to go to the Lakers. Now, the Cavs have made a bit of a push here to try and trade for George. Oh, by the way, the Cavs just fired their GM, too, uh, Monday night here. So, uh, David Griffin out. Uh, I, I 
don't know necessarily why, if this was a move that was made primarily based on the fact that, uh, I mean, they couldn't beat the Golden State Warriors, the best team ever assembled. Uh, I don't know what this does now for their hopes of trading for Paul George, but I got to think Kevin Love is going to be involved in this on the trade talks and maybe. Uh, uh, a first round pick or something maybe some other asset I, I don't know but uh, I don't know what this does regarding the Cavs but I know they've been interested in Paul George and uh, now do the do the Lakers have to do something and more importantly will Indiana actually pull the trigger because why would you just let Paul George go without getting anything for him they're going to have to trade him I appreciate him telling them he's not coming back they have no leverage now because it's public, so teams know they have to trade him. And so that's not a great. Sense. Yeah, and they're they're yeah. supposedly or reportedly asking for a lot more than what they actually will get for him. So, and I, maybe that's trying to stir up a bidding war between the Lakers and the Cavs because those are the only two teams that I can see that are going to even want George. And George wants to go to the Lakers, but you know. I heard, you know, I was listening to some people saying, oh, hey, Kevin Love said the same thing. He wanted to go to L.A., and then after he got traded to Cleveland, he's like, you know what? It's kind of nice here. Making it to the NBA Finals year after year, when it dominating the Eastern yep. Conference. So it's not a foregone conclusion that George, should he be traded to Cleveland, would leave Cleveland following this season. But would he, we talked about this a little bit last week, would he be a fit, a good fit for Cleveland or is Indiana just going to have to trade him to the Lakers? Is he better than Kevin Love? Uh, he. <sighs> Who would you rather have? You know, I. I think Cleveland had put Kevin Love in an interesting position. One, one where he's probably not as comfortable as he was, say, in Minnesota. So if they think Paul George can do a little more, then I would say you pull the trigger and take Paul George. But uh, Kevin Love, I don't think is is in the right spot in Cleveland. He, it's a good it's a good place to be, but in terms of his spot on the floor, I don't think that the Cavs have the greatest position for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Wait, is that something that uh, do you agree with that, or I mean? How do you see that? Yeah, he's kind of had to take in a backseat here. Well, he's not, you know, averaging his 20 and 15 like he did with Minnesota. Paul George, three-time all-defensive team, so you can either outscore Golden State, which I wouldn't recommend, or you can try to stop him. And Paul George would be a good defender to stop him. They're also talking hard and heavy about my guy Jim Butler, who was also a multiple-time defensive uh, all-defensive team. So seems like Cleveland's strategy is we're going to try to stop Durant or Curry, one of these guys. We're going to try to stop one of them, and they're going to get rid of Kevin Love. So I'd be okay with my Bulls getting Kevin Love, and whoever else sounds like it's going to be a three-team deal because Cleveland has nothing to offer. Besides Kevin Love, and, and they have no picks to offer. So uh, apparently the Suns are a rumored team that are supposed to be uh, in this mix. They can give up whatever the hell they're going to give up. But uh, Bulls tried it. I'd be fine with Kevin Love and some picks. And, uh, you know, the uh, 
Timberwolves, they were interested in Jim Butler at last year's draft. Sounds like the Timberwolves are interested again. So uh, I'd be all in favor of Jim Butler getting traded. I, you know, Indiana with Paul George is going to be the big story. So, I mean, they need a third team. Sounds like the Thunder are the third team. And may as well, may as well get it done. Victor Cleveland or Chicago. Kevin Durant uh, is going to opt out of his deal with the Warriors, but he don't fear not Warriors fans. He will resign at the team, just trying to make it a more cap friendly um, spot for the team, which is which is great, uh, great of him to do. And then it sounds like Andre Iguodala might test the free agency waters, and one of those teams interested would be the Timberwolves. Uh, would Andre Iguodala be a good fit in Minnesota? And more importantly, should Andre leave to try and seek bigger bucks? What do you think? Well, I mean, if he can make Let's twenty million, if no, he, no, 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 no. I okay. I, I'm just, I was just no. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying if he can make twenty million a year on the open market with some other team, I think it's worth at least considering. But I mean, because. If, what's he going to get with the Warriors? Five or six million a year? Durant is losing four million on this deal, which they would then use to get Iguodala. Um The contracts are ridiculous. I don't think Iguodala is getting twenty million. He is thirty-three. He'll be thirty-four by the end of January. So I think he's staying in. I hope he's staying there. Um, he's a nice piece. He's like the, the the biggest piece outside of their four all stars. Yes, he's nice to have. Yes, but uh, if they don't get him, he'll they'll replace him. Twenty million here. I mean, that would be. I mean, he might get that. I mean, yep. the contracts are stupid, stupid and ridiculous. Yep, he's basically a sixth man. He ain't gonna give you ten points. He's an okay defender. He's at the end of his career. Uh, I, if you're uh, Minnesota, I think you could spend your money better than that. Well, uh, I mean, hell, they got Cole Aldrich last year. They got to do better than what they did in free agency last year to help terrible, build their terrible. bench. That was awful. There's no reason to spend your money on Cole Aldrich. There's no reason to do that. Right. Don't give yourself the flexibility of trading. Don't you, don't spend your don't give fifty million dollars to to Mozgov for Christ's sake. Don't do that. Right. So, at the end of the day, though, would you fault Iguodala for leaving to get more money just because he has won the two championships uh, and, you know, because he can make more, would you fault him for leaving? All depends on what it is. If it's $20 million a year for, what's he going to get, a three-year contract? I would guess four. Four-year deal? Four-year deal for... I mean, that's, that's kind of damn ridiculous right there. But if he gets that, um, I don't know what what Golden State can offer uh, against that. He's played 13 seasons. He's already made, or he's won two titles. He's already made. How much money do you think he's made? Iguodala? Yeah. Uh, throughout his entire playing career? I would guess somewhere in the fifty to seventy million dollar range. I will go closer to seventy. I'll say sixty-seven million. Hundred and ten. Oh wow! Okay, more than I more than I thought. Although with this contract, you could almost double that at eighty. Right. Which is 
So, and so, I mean, you're going to get a lot of guys. I think what Garnett made the most of anybody, and people are going to just surpass him like it's nothing here in the next 10 years. Right. So, if Golden State can give him, I don't know, like 12, 12 or something like that, four years, 60 million, 15 a year, I guess. I don't know. That then, yeah, uh, they, they, he's, he's got to stay. And I would think that he could also look at the market or the landscape of the NBA and see that no one's going to beat Golden State and or Cleveland. So would it make the most sense then to go to Cleveland if he were to leave Golden State? I guess that's what I'm saying. The money, money versus championships. I guarantee you a third championship sometime in the next two or three years, or I guarantee you an extra 20, 30, 40 million, whatever it's going to be. Right. So it's whether, you know, I would, you know, it's tough to say because we'll never agree in that situation. Right. Or someone is going to give us $80 million to do something for three years, four years. Yep. I would take the championships because, you know, is there is there a big difference between $150 million in your career and $200 million? I don't know, $50 million. Once, I mean, once you get up into the hundreds of millions, is there much of a difference between 150 and 200 I don't think so, but maybe he does. I would get a couple more rings, because that's pretty cool. But I would stay. I don't know what he's going to do. Right. But, but it's going to be interesting to see what random guys Cleveland picks up, like the uh, Darren Williams, Richard Jeffersons, who are, who are waiting for another title or mm-hmm. the first title. And what guys go to Golden State, who like J- Javel McGee, he was, he was great. He finally got a title. So I like those guys, the Mike Millers. That will go there and be a contributor and I get there first time. Again, though, I wouldn't fault Iguodala for leaving to get more money because you'll never be able to make more, uh, you know, playing basketball than what he would right now. So, yes, I mean, $150 million to or $200 million to us doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you can make – if someone's going to be willing to give you an extra $50 million – I mean, it, it it is a difference. It is a difference. Look at look at what Durant's doing here. Be interesting to see how how long he does this. You know, LeBron's done this here a year or two. hasn't signed the big contract yet. He's waiting for the money to get to his max. And Durant's leaving money on the table. Maybe he'll find a big deal next year. And Curry, he's got to sign a deal this year as well. See if he does a one two year deal or what he's going to do. It's interesting to see how these contracts are going to end up. Yep. It is. Uh, it. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm just looking here now. ESPN, uh, you know, got rid of baseball tonight. So I'm. So, I totally switched topics. Do we? Do we have any other NBA stuff to need to get to? I don't believe so. Okay. Look, I'm just seeing this here. ESPN has a baseball game on a Friday night. All well and good because there's really nothing on. So why not put a good baseball game on? But this coming Friday. No, last Friday. It was the Nationals, I believe. No, uh, it was some team. I know it was on ESPN. I just saw it on the score. Uh, and you know, for getting rid of baseball tonight and then to throw out all these other big baseball games like uh, Tigers-Mariners was on Monday night. I mean, it, it, I'm curious. It, it seems like a puzzling move to throw to broadcast more baseball games but then not have a show to talk about the baseball games. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Baseball's on every day for six, seven months, so it'd be nice to have a show on every day talking about the 10 or 15 games that are played. So you'd think that's a show that would make sense, and it did make sense for about 25 years. So. 
And uh, oh, but, but let's have NFL Live go beyond you know in you know February and June and July. Yeah, well, I mean, I totally. I guess I understand in February, you know, getting ready for the combine a little bit. Take off some, you know, then you have free agency in March. That's all well and good. Then the draft. Got some OTAs, but I mean, let, let's take off the entire month of July because nothing, in, or at least until training camp starts, because nothing's happening. Can't do it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know what? Show on in the show yeah. on in the afternoon. The, the jump NBA show. Yeah. It's Rachel Nichols and folk. Yep. Haven't really seen, it, seen it a whole lot. Caught it a little bit in the afternoon last week. I thought it was a good show. Yeah, Tracy McGrady on there. Yeah, there's some old ball players on there. I thought it was a quality, quality program. Stephen Jackson, Scotty Pippen, Paul Pierce, bunch of old, bunch of old guys. I thought it was good. But hopefully that would go away after the NBA draft, or even after this. If you want to keep it until the summer league is done, that's fine. But after that, get rid of it until basketball season starts, because there's no need for it. It might be on all time. Then that's dumb. I mean, that that's the same. We can make the same argument about that then as we can NFL Live. I would not have it on in the offseason. No. Right. No. I mean, Mets Dodgers I'm seeing. You know, Tuesday. Tuesday night at 9 Eastern on ESPN. Why the hell are we showing this here? That's all about. That's all the sports. All the sports. Baseball. That's all. Just, all the sports. Done. CFL. So. Frustrating. Yeah, Vince Young. Uh, good comeback. That That's great. Uh, twins, not so good. They got swept by the Indians mm-hmm. over the weekend. No longer in first place. Uh, have they said goodbye to first place for good? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no. 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 What the hell What the hell do they? can they change to get this... Ship right Not play Cleveland. Not, not play Cleveland again. How about that? Well, they play them this week, so that's uh, that's probably not going to happen. Well, let's get past this week and only be six games back instead of two and a half. Yeah, no, looking real hot. Well, that, they're, they're starting pitching's dog shit. I mean, that's embarrassing. Just think about it. They have two, they have two major league quality pitchers in their entire organization. The 150 players they have under contract, they have two pitchers worth of shit. That's terrible. Yeah. Santana and Burrios. Mm-hmm. Nick Turley is a guy that was with the Yankees final league system for a long time. He was an independent baseball last year. Twins signed him in the offseason. He ever pitched in the majors. He's striking out an amazing number of guys in AA and AAA. So they call him up. His first start was against the Giants on Sunday. He was okay. Gave up like four runs in four innings. Pitched again on the doubleheader on uh, Saturday against Cleveland. Didn't pitch very well at all. And three, four innings was terrible. But, you know, give him a chance. He's a guy. Maybe give him one more start and then bring him back down to Triple A. Phil Hughes is hurt, and Phil Hughes sucks when he's not hurt. Uh, Hector Santiago is not very good, but he's their third best pitcher. They, they call it bullshit enough like Adam Wilt. He started for the Mets for like once this year and was terrible. And he was uh, pitching in, in the doubleheader. That's terrible. Just to have crap like that laying around. Adam Wilt. It's disgusting. Um, pitching pitching's terrible. What a, what a poorly constructed pitching roster. Uh, up and down throughout the minors. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's bad. It's very bad. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, what can necessarily be done. Uh, and I don't, I don't know 
I mean, they can make a trade at the trading deadline, I guess. But I'm astounded how much better they play on the road than they do at home. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They've been playing better teams at home. I don't know. They play Houston. They play Cleveland. They're playing good teams at home. But they're also playing these teams on the road. They haven't played Houston on the road yet. They're going to Cleveland here this weekend. They they, they played well against Cleveland a few weeks ago. I think they won the series. But we'll see what they do with Chicago. Uh, they got Boston coming up as well on the road. So maybe they'll run off. You know, they'll win four or five games on the road here in this trip. But they're... Their bullpen is so goddamn bad. They are the worst by far. Bullpen. Oh, no. The Nationals' bullpen is so bad. I mean, Monday night here, I have the Nationals Nationals in our uh, pick'em this week. Nationals had a six nothing lead over. Was it six nothing or seven nothing over the uh, over the Marlins? Six to nothing in the in the sixth in the third inning. The Marlins score six runs. It's just back and forth. This uh, Rourke guy got lit up, and the the Nationals bullpen is absolutely atrocious too. So let's not make it out that the Twins are the absolute worst. The Nationals, they're the worst. Twins bullpen 5.30. Nationals that far behind is 5.20. By far the two worst bullpens in America. They both suck. Bless you. Bless you. You're so disgusted by it. It's sickening to you. You're getting sick because of these bullpens. I'm allergic to this shit. (laughs) Um, Any other baseball notes from the week? Uh, I'm sorry. Who was it for Colorado that hit the cycle and he did it by hitting a home run to win the game Sunday against the Giants? Arenado? Nolan Arenado. Arenado. Yep. In the big one. So that's very good. Uh, the Rockies are rolling right now. The Giants suck. They're an absolute disappointment. The Phillies are the worst team in the league. Uh, any Anything else from last week in baseball? I have a half hour worth of things to report here. What's that? I have a half hour worth of things. Okay. Um, Oakland Athletics. Are in last place in the American League. Yep. They're seven games under 500. They're four and a half out of the wild card. So they're four and a half out in last place. Cubs, meanwhile, Cubs are at 500, and they're nine games out of the wild card. They're the first team out of the playoffs, so they got to win that division. They're two and a half back because Milwaukee's rolling. So, hate to say that the wild card in the National League kind of sewn up, but um, nine games separate these two teams with a little over 100 games to play. So, it's possible, I guess, to make up 10 games over 100 games, but Cubs are only two and a half back in the division, and it's looking like there's going to be three teams from the West. There you go. Very good. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching the Nationals, or excuse me, the the Rockies and the Diamondbacks play here. That's gonna be yep. That's gonna be fascinating. And then the winner of that, see, you know what? No, I mean you don't. No, you can't just just say that they're gonna be in the wild card game. I mean the, the Dodgers might be in there instead. Uh, regardless, the NL West is the division I'm watching and paying most uh, closest attention to. Arizona's one nine of ten. The Dodgers. 
have won nine of ten. The Rockies have won seven of ten. Everybody's playing great right now. Rockies lead them both by a game. So, all, all those teams may win ninety games. Easily, easily, because the NL sucks it, especially Philadelphia. Yeah, Padres, Giants, no good in their own division. Uh, yeah, don't don't pick the don't pick the Phillies. You know what though? I will say this about the Padres because we said that they would be the worst team in baseball by a country mile. And they they played somewhat some competitive baseball this year. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by what I've seen from the Padres thus far. They called up a lot of young guys. They're okay. Uh, they got a right fielder. He's a big bastard. Hunter Renfro. He is probably going to hit 30 home runs. Will Myers is doing well. I suppose Will Myers will be their all-star. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Padres is going to lose 95 games. But, uh yeah, they're going to lose 110. So, you're getting outscored by 113 runs, which is the worst in baseball by about 20 runs. So, they, they may win 65 games. But they'll be better than the Phillies, and that's all that matters. Eh, what do we got for the Phillies? Phillies? Yeah, Phillies are bad. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not good. And, not good. and oh, oh. considering oh. the expectations that that Padres you know, that people had of the Padres versus that of the Giants you could make the case that the Padres have done far better than the Giants this season well they have they're two and a half games better yes see there there you so go embarrassing Giants I mean I know you lost Bumgarner but Christ I mean that's they're gonna lose 90 games that's bad yeah it's not good that's for sure hmm. Yeah. Any other baseball notes from you? It's all the baseball. Everybody in the American League is in it. Every goddamn team is in it. Good. That's right. It's good. And who is your pitcher and or hitter of the week that we did not know last week? Domingo Santiago. He's a guy that hit home runs for Milwaukee. I'm noticing a trend here. It seems like it's a Milwaukee or Colorado are the guys, the unknowns, that are making your lists. Because they got a lot of guys, and both teams are good. And nobody gives a shit about either team. Well, I, I, I care about the Rockies. Team. I don't care yeah, about the Brewers. Yeah, you care about the Rockies. You're on the Rockies. Brewers, get on the Brewers here. Okay. Santiago, Santiago guys, uh, got 11 home runs, on base is good, slugging is good. Hitting 270, had a slow start. He made it 25 home runs. So, uh... I'll say this. Uh, home run derby could be good. I want to see Sano in that goddamn thing. I want to see Aaron Judge in the deal right there. Oh, yes. Uh, nationally, I want to see Stanton in his home park. Can't believe, can't can't imagine Stanton won't be there. Right. Uh, I want to see Bellinger from the Dodgers. We talked about him last week. He yep. might lead the league in home runs. Bellinger. Uh, Eric Thames with the Brewers. want to see him in the thing. And uh, I want to see Bryce Harper in the thing. Very that would be outstanding. We'll, we'll hope we get to that. A U.S. Open. Congratulations to Brooks Kepka for winning the U.S. Open. He, I mean, this was everyone was making a big deal about the fescue and how long the course was, seventy-seven hundred yards. And uh, I mean, the the field absolutely obliterated it. Kepka wins, shooting what a sixteen under, seventeen under for his first career major win. Uh, that's great because no one gives a, a shit about uh, that. I mean. I mean, David Schottenkirk and you know, and maybe Marcus Traxler. Yes, Brooks Kepka won. You know, sixteen 
under Hideki Matsuyama and some Harmon fella were twelve under. And I mean, you look at this. Look at this. Look at this leaderboard. The top ten. Brent Snedeker and Ricky Fowler and, and Haas, I guess, would be the biggest names on there. Ricky Fowler by a country mile. Uh, Justin Thomas shot the lowest round ever you know, on Saturday. He shot a 63. I, be, I bet everyone was Googling, who the hell is Justin Thomas? I mean, you could say all you want. I don't follow golf that closely. Uh, I, I love watching the majors. I didn't see hardly any of the U.S. Open just because of where I was at, what I was doing over the weekend. But, um, I mean, this is not going to help golf by any stretch. You can say it has a bunch of stars. That's fine. I would just, I would come back, I would counter-argue it and say they have a lot of good players. They don't have any great players because the last seven majors have all been won by first-time major winners. Where the hell is Jordan Spieth? Where the hell is Rory McIlroy? Let's get going here. Let's see some star power here. Let's see these guys start dominating again. Rory didn't even make the cut. And he was the one that was talking about, oh, you know, the players complain about the long fescue. If you can't hit it, then go home. Well, he sucked in this one here. So, if yeah, he did go home. He went home after Friday. So, all these people that... and. You know, it, I don't see how you can make the argument that golf has a whole bunch of stars because I guarantee you the ratings for this were absolute crap because there's no one here that you give a shit about entering Sunday. There just isn't. And my apologies to Brooks Kepka for you know that. It sounds like a great player. I know who he is, but I mean, he just doesn't do anything. Where he wouldn't make me. He doesn't make me want to go. Watch this final round. He just doesn't. It, it's and it's sad. I'm sorry, but I'm a I'm a casual golf fan. I watch the majors. I love the British Open, so I will watch that. Uh, rain or shine, no matter what I'm doing. But uh, I I I'm sorry. I know I know far more about baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. College football, college basketball, you name it. Than I do golf. But this this certainly doesn't look good at all. On something that'll make you happy? Uh, the ratings were terrible. Is that what you're going to tell me? Second worst ever. Second worst ever on Fox or second just worst ever of all time? Ever. 2014 was the worst, a 3.3 rating. Fox drew a 3.6. 3% of the people watch this shit. Nobody cared. There's no reason to. Brooks Kepka, fine. Is it is it because it was on Fox? Do you think or no? I mean, I, I doubt it. I think oh, it's more help. the leaderboard. There's nobody there. Top three players in the world trying to make a goddamn cut in a major uh, on, a, on a course where everybody was shooting in the sixties, sixty threes, sixty fives, sixty sixes on the final day. This was on a tough course. Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy. What the hell? Spieth couldn't even break par. Embarrassment. Your goddamn embarrassment, golf. Terrible. Yeah, I mean this, and again, I'd I'd love to hear uh, David and I have gotten in it, you know, back and forth regarding golf star and where the how the sport is. This is not good for golf. I, I just I can't. I know he was there. I know Marcus was there, and I, I we're going to try and have Marcus on in the podcast here to go over uh, just the experience because I'm sure it was I'm sure it was thrilling on Sunday seeing these guys shoot the low scores and and you know seeing Brooks Kepka win it. You you would have liked to maybe see it a little closer, but I mean it was probably it was a lot of fun throughout the entire weekend and seeing the leaderboard change as much as it did. 
I mean, you have a lot of guys up there, but I mean, if you weren't there, you just don't care. You just don't. And you have to be an avid golf fan. And I think even the most avid golf fans were like, uh, yeah, I have better things to do on Father's Day than watch this U.S. Open. It just it doesn't do anything at all. I didn't watch it until Sunday, and then I watched maybe an hour, hour of it, and the thing was decided by the 15th hole. So, would you go to the U.S. Open? If you were given the opportunity, all right, the U.S. Open's going to be in, let's say it's not in Fargo. If it was in Fargo, maybe you'd go because it's right there. Yep. Or if it's in Minneapolis, say it's in, I don't know. Hazeltine. Four hour. Let's sure. Say, let's would say you go to the U.S. Open? If, if I had the opportunity. Yeah, if I had the opportunity, I would think, yeah, you know what, I would check it out one year. I think you know, being there would probably be a little bit different, but, I mean, would I get as into it as I would, say, going to, say, a Vikings game or a, a Wild game? Or, hell, even the Summit League tournament? I don't know. Uh, but I guess to experience it, I would. It, I'm sure it's better in person than it was watching on TV. I would say... I can't imagine going to it and knowing what the hell I was watching. You have to look for signs to see, okay, who the fuck is playing this hole I'm watching right now? You have to see the guy with the, uh, all right, these two guys are on there because you can't tell any of these guys apart from 100 yards away. Do you sit in the grandstand in a hole? Do you walk around? Right. Do you follow certain players? What what the hell do you do on TV? It's bam, every shot. Bam, 10 seconds. Bam, bam, bam. You see every shot of anybody that matters. I can't imagine there's more of a discrepancy in any sport than golf. As far as watching it on TV and seeing everything, compared to going there and seeing nothing. Right. You know, that's a, it's an absolutely great point. And I think, you know, I, I play golf. I try and get out there at least once a week. Um, so I appreciate seeing good golf. And so that counters my argument a little bit. But at the same time, I, I would appreciate seeing the shots live there, seeing them do the backspin and everything. Because the one thing about golf, too, is, I mean, you, if you saw the highlight of Justin Thomas on Saturday, he's face he isn't even facing the hole. He's facing the complete opposite direction. He puts it, and the hole, it, it, the break in the green just goes all the way back, and he sinks the putt. You can't tell that, though, on TV, and that's the frustrating thing about golf is the, the undulations and the, 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 the greens, the hills and everything, the break, you can't see that on TV. Maybe you can see that a little bit more in person. But it, And so from that standpoint, it would be better to watch or to be there in person. I wouldn't spend an exuberant amount of money on it by any stretch. I would say maybe the Masters would be about the only thing. Or the British Open. Like I say, the British Open is great. I would I would brave the weather to watch that uh, and see the players struggle a little bit. We're not to get up at 3 in the morning. Look at you. Right, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be, yeah, I'd be able to get up local there. Like 8, 9, uh, and be there. So from that standpoint... I, I guess I I would I wouldn't pay an exuberant amount of money if I got free tickets I I go check it out but I agree with you it's golf watching golf on TV is is challenging because of some of the shots that they do so you get a little more appreciation for the guys uh, you know seeing it live 
but at the same time, too, like you say, if you're looking at the leaderboard, like, I don't know who the hell Harmon is. Like, I'm, I don't even know this guy's first name. Is it Brian? Brian Harmon. Brett Harmon? Uh, let, let's check it out here. Who is this guy? Brett sounds more alright. Like, a, you got an ex shuffle. Alright, who the hell is that guy? He's great. I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah, Tommy Fleetwood up there. He had Matsuyama up there. Yeah. Uh, Fleetwood Mac. Was it Fleetwood Mac? It's got to be Fleetwood Mac, right? Got to be. All, all nine of them. Who is this guy? I have no idea. They don't even give me... Oh, that was Yeah. Uh, no, the shuffle guy. I'm trying to click on him. He's not... Harmon? No, I, I'm looking at Shuff, uh, Shuffle here. X Shuffle. Who the? Xavier Xavier Shuffle. Yeah, I would, I would hope it's I would hope it's Xavier Shuffle. Shuffle second. Yeah. Well, you know what? If my kid's a professional golfer, then uh, then that's going to be good for me. Even you wouldn't watch it. No, oh, I would. I would. Uh, oh, I think we. I would definitely watch it. Xander Xander Shuffle. Xander Bogarts. Oh, yeah, Z- I, I've never heard of him. So why would I watch on Sunday? Even if it is a major. Maybe I'd watch it if it was close. Again, I wasn't able to get to a TV. I was following along on my phone. But still, you just look at this leaderboard. I'm like, I don't even want to go see, go check this out. So for, for those that say that golf is in a good spot and it's got a bunch of stars, it's got a lot of good players. It does not have a star that is taking the sport by storm and making casual people watch. And I always go to the ratings because that's that's the key in all of this. The NBA playoffs this year absolutely sucked, and yet they what? had they had what? high ratings. People watched it. People exactly. Why? Because there were stars. Yes. Durant, LeBron, and Curry. Harden. The biggest three biggest stars. All that. Yeah. The three biggest stars in the game: LeBron, Durant, and Curry. Those are the three biggest players yes in basketball they're yeah. all there they all played great and people wanted to see it and if you want to see them play great there was a great finals to watch right if you want to close games this wasn't the finals for you well even 20, the NBA playoffs in general but I mean people love watching yeah. the Spurs because of Kawhi Leonard uh, I mean you want to watch the Boston Celtics have had a, a great following for years because people grew up Celtics fans from the 70s and, and passed that on to their kids. So they have a they have a following, and it's nice to see them back in the playoffs as well. you got a star in Isaiah Thomas. I mean, you have Russell Westbrook with the Thunder. So people are going to watch this even though it's bad. Golf, get Xander Schauffel, I, I apologize because I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He seems, you know, maybe he's a, one of the up-and-coming players in the game of golf. I don't follow it all that closely, and I'll, I'll say it right now. So maybe there is something to this. But if you want to just make me watch a tournament here, i got to get someone like Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth on there or someone that's going to win two or three majors because this ain't cutting it. And there is, I would say, virtually... I can't say there's definitely no argument, but some... Sean Kirkter, someone's going to have to give me a, a good argument here as to why golf is in a good spot, because it's not. I'm a bad golfer. I've golfed with Marcus numerous times. I would say he is slightly better than me. If he has a bad day, I can beat him. Okay. Open challenge. 
Me and you against Marcus and David Schottenkirk. Ooh, is Schottenkirk a good golfer? I don't know. I think you're better than he is. Okay. Be interesting. Would be interesting. $1,000 a hole. Oh, hell no. Absolutely not. Nope. Can't do that. Okay. Maybe a dollar a hole. Dollar a hole. There we go. We'll play for skins. Yeah. Skins it is. Yes. Yep. Redskins. Shirt, shirts off and back. By the way, that uh, it's not an offensive trademark. I guess the the Supreme Court shot that down. So there we go. Very good. Um, so yeah, uh, golf again. I just you, you need some stars, and hopefully maybe some of these guys, the Xander Schauffels of the world, the Harmons, the you know, if Ricky Fowler would ever you know rise up and win a major or two, maybe then he can be that guy that people would watch. I mean, people like R- Ricky Fowler, but in until you win a major, or I mean, just he's the only real recognizable name on that. Brooks Kepka's good. I've heard of him, but he doesn't—he doesn't turn the needle for me. He doesn't turn the dial unless he starts to win three or four majors, and you're like, okay, this guy's on to something. And I know we don't like teams dominating the world of sports. We always say, oh, give us someone new other than the Yankees or the Lakers, the the, the Duke Blue Devils. Give us someone other than that. We'd like to see the upsets. But then people don't watch. I mean, I think that was one of the... Give us, give us McElroy and Spieth. Give us that a duel. Give us one duel. These two guys in the final group. Yes. The two final Going head to head. They're both, uh, you know, within a shot or two of each other on the back nine. Then we're watching. We're watching this. We're not watching it. Brooks Kepka wrap it up on the 15th as... Uh, uh, Harmon, Harmon, Johnson Harmon is uh, missing putts to finish second or third. So, right. not 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 a good showing for the uh, for Fox or the USO. No, no. So I don't even. I can't even. I can't even critique how Joe Buck did um, or Paul Azing. He made a mistake at the end. Someone with a soccer player, right? Or girlfriend? What? And, wasn't a girlfriend or something like that? Yeah, he had girlfriends around him. Apparently, he was dating a soccer player, and apparently that's over with, I would hope. And this is another girlfriend. So, uh, a big mess up there at the end. So, not great for Joba. <laughs> well, a big mistake at the end to a big mistake of a tournament. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The U.S. Open's great. It just would be nice to have people that you've, you've heard of if you're a casual fan. And... I would say even if you're an avid fan, have you heard of some of these guys? Like that say, "Oh yeah, this guy's really good." I mean, Fleetwood. Well, Trail talked to Marcus about. Trail talked to Marcus about the scoring because the scoring was was insanity. Yes. Yeah, and the the U.S. Open is one where you like to see the player struggle, and that was far from it in this one. So that's right. Whatever it is, what it is. Um, I don't really have anything else here. I guess uh, Teddy Bridgewater continues to make progress. People are proclaiming him. Oh, what a comeback. Uh, we're all doing it for him. He's a, such a class act. Uh, Mike Zimmer can see, so that's great. Uh, now we'll just wait until the tr- until training camp begins. Um, I really got his nothing. His career's else. over, though. Did, did you know his career's over, though? His career's over. No. Uh, Teddy's or, or Mike Zimmer's? No, Mike, Mike Zimmer's eye is fine, apparently. It's just it's fine. And Bridgewater, he never walked again. Never walked again. Nope, so. never ever will. Nope, that those videos that you're seeing are not true. Optical sure. illusion. 
Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Very excited. Very excited. Very good. Anything else before we say so long? Should be about it. All right. Enjoy uh, enjoy watching ESPN 3's coverage of the NBA draft on Thursday from your uh, perch in the uh, press box there in uh, Watertown, you say? or, uh, or Yes. Mitchell? Okay. Enjoy Watertown. Yes, Visit the Terry Redland Art Museum. I don't know if I can go that far. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you next week, my friend. Later. Travis Crins joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Uh, appreciate his uh, perspective. And as always, again, you can listen to him, 2080 Baseball Podcast. Uh, find that on iTunes, Sports Block Podcast. You can also find on iTunes. Again, uh, we'll, we'll try and get Marcus Traxler on here uh, to talk not only the U.S. Open, but also the NHL expansion uh, draft with Las Vegas, who the Wild protected, and uh, you know who they lost. That there are a lot of good players out there, so uh, we can hopefully touch base with him. But again, this the U.S. Open again. I was I was off in you know camping over the weekend, so didn't really have access to TV. I did follow along occasionally on my phone just to see who the leaderboard was, who some you know. With the guys were that were, were doing great, but I wasn't. You see that leaderboard entry, and suddenly I'm like, "Oh man, can we try and get uh, the TV to work out here? Or can we can we go into town? Can we check out some of this U.S. Open coverage? No, it doesn't spin the needle for me. And again, I I'm not an avid golf. I, I love the sport of golf. I love to play it, but I'm not going to sit and watch. You know the 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 John Deere Open from whatever course in Illinois, or just all these other l- little tournaments. I mean, not even the TPC. I just don't watch it. I'll pay attention more to the TPC, and I love the majors. I love especially the British Open, the Open Championship. Love that to death. I'll watch that regardless of who's in it. Just because I, the link style golf fascinates me, and that's what this was here at Aaron Hills. Here in Wisconsin, it was link style golf, but I mean, to a degree. But come on, golf—it's—it's it's not in a good spot because you—if you keep having these one-time major winners and then they disappear forever. I mean, let's go, let's go, Spieth, let's go, McElroy. Let's get something done here. Uh, NBA draft again Thursday. We'll uh, see what happens there. I'll come out with my top ten uh, picks in the stack on Thursday. If you're listening to the after Thursday, check it out. Stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, coming up next, trying to get Marcus Traxler on here with his thoughts to the U.S. Open and his experience there. Bound to be a good one, and I'll hopefully get his thoughts on the NHL expansion draft. We can't get him. Of course, uh, I'll have some thoughts on that as well before we close out another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Now on iTunes. All right, continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by our good friend Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic. Marcus, uh, you're back from Aaron Hills. That's great news. Uh, I'll just uh, begin right there. Tell us about your experience there at the U.S. Open. Well, I had a lot of fun. Um, first time I've been to the U.S. Open, first time I've been to a, a major golf tournament like that, and uh, I went with a friend of the program, David Schottenkirk, uh, 
and I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's just a great experience to sort of see you know, the world's best players, except for Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, up close. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I I sort of explained it to, you know, people that, because you almost have to sell yourself to people who are like, well, why are you going to a golf tournament for four days? And, you know, in retrospect, you know, I basically told them, you know, it's, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I was there, it, it really drove home the fact that I don't think you can, especially in Hill, I mean, it's a 650 acre property, you'd have a hard time seeing it all in one day. You know, it's almost yep. almost like a national park, which, which is the way I've been describing <laughs> it, is that you, you just have a hard time. You wouldn't be able to see it all in one day. So I'd recommend at least two. And uh, I had a lot of time, or a lot of fun with four. We saw some great moments, great shots. Um, you know, sort of, I didn't really predict Kepka to pull away the, the way he did on uh, Sunday, but that was thrilling. And uh, what a great moment. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to be there. It wasn't your, your grandfather's U.S. Open. And I right. Think in some ways, that's that's perfectly fine. And, uh, you know, I expected the course to have a little more teeth, but when it rains as much as it did, I mean, that just sort of takes it all out of out of the USGA's hands. So I think it was a great tournament, and uh, I, I'm really glad I went. What uh, and I'm sure there are a number of differences. I know there are a number of differences versus you know being there live versus watching it on TV. Yeah. But what was the biggest takeaway from you uh, being there live and saying, "Well, I didn't know this," or now now when I watch golf, I'm going to notice this more. Was there anything like that? Yeah, you know, the one thing that really stood out to me in person is you know sort of the the green complexes. You know, sort of understanding okay on this particular hole you know we spent a lot of time uh sort of at the par threes mainly because i mean it's a really difficult course to walk so Mm -hmm. uh you know early in the week you know we realized okay it's kind of going to be futile to try to walk and keep up with some of these groups so we started planning ourselves at at some of the more interesting holes and you really you know get a much better idea in person than you would on tv of maybe the uh the hills and undulations in the fairway or you know in this case on the green you know you basically realize where these guys can put it and where they can't and I think you know from I think sometimes from day to day at these tournaments you know they don't always show you that okay they're changing tee boxes from day to day and they're also changing pin positions um, you know we spent a lot of time at number 9 which is you know, basically the amphitheater part 3 hole on the course mm-hmm. and you know one day they, they played it you know closest pin position to closest tee box and it made a huge difference it only played you know 140 150 yards and the next day they went all the way back to the furthest key position and now it's playing closer to 200. So, uh, you know, from day to day, that makes a huge difference. Uh, and that doesn't always get conveyed on TV, I don't think. Uh, Justin Thomas made a hell of a putt on, I believe it was Saturday. You know, he wasn't even facing the hole and he gets right. it to go down that way. I don't know if you were near there at the time when he made that putt, but I, that's one stark difference I have to imagine being there live versus watching it on TV is you just can't see the the breaks in the greens, the, how hilly they can be versus actually being there and recognizing just what kind of a putt that was. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty good example. I, I think when he made that putt, he was on five, we were on six. And so we heard the roar. Um, you know, we had radios that, that they basically were free, you know, all week, which I, I don't know if they always are at this open, but American, American Express is a big sponsor, so they gave the radios out for free. And so they had these, you know, Sirius XM broadcasts there. And those were a huge help. I mean, 
Uh, I would say uh, golf play-by-play is usually, you know, people don't think much of it, but when, you know, you're on the course, that's a huge help uh, to have that sort of in your ears. So we got an idea, you know, they kind of said, okay, he's, and he's facing 90 degrees to the hole here and they buried the putt. So, you know, you hear the roar and then you also hear the roar in your earpiece as well. And uh, and then I think, yeah, he was com- coming right to our hole after that. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, that, that was probably the number one example is you just sort of see even a little eight footer you know, you're, maybe you're watching it on TV and you're like okay relatively straightforward putt we saw a lot of guys in this eight footer on some of these holes because there's just a little movement in that green and they don't always read it or you know they think there's some movement there and there isn't and uh, it's amazing how these greens can sort of uh, trick you maybe the rest of Aaron Hills might have played pretty easy but those greens were were uh, up to snuff no doubt uh th- I mean, obviously a, g- a good tournament, lots of uh, low scores, which the U.S. Open never has, so that was something different. Uh, based on what you had heard maybe going into the tournament, uh, certainly I would think the course played a lot easier than uh, than what you would have thought, but how much different was it actually being there versus, you know, hearing, every, you know, hearing everything about the course coming into it and then stepping foot you know, the first first time, what Thursday morning at Aaron right. Hills. What did you What did you think of the course and just how? Uh, I want to. I don't want to say unchallenging it was to the players, but they seem to have a pretty easy goal about it uh, versus other U.S. Opens. Yeah, you know, I, I think the main thing is that the USDA was sort of planning on a firm, fast track. Well, that didn't happen because you get they had a lot of rain. They had rain Wednesday night. They had rain. Uh, we probably a little bit Saturday night, and then either Thursday or Friday they had rain uh, at night. So, and then one time they got an inch of rain. Well, that basically throws away your whole plan, I and mean, that's going to make it make for a pretty soft course. So that you know, and at that point you're kind of stuck with what you got. I think so. Um, you know, they lengthened this course quite a bit. It was one of the longest courses. It is the longest course in U.S. Open history: seventy seven hundred yards or mm-hmm. seventy eight hundred yards. But these guys can hit that. I mean, they could be, it could have been 8,500 yards and it would have been, wouldn't have been a problem. I mean, these are guys who, uh, they can smash it. And it, it, that was maybe the other thing that was driven home to me is that uh, we were on 18 on both Saturday and Sunday, but you know, we were sort of on a, on a mound on 18 to the left of the fairway and in the landing area that a lot of these balls were landing in. And it actually happened to be Kepka. A lot of these guys were, you know, were landing in one spot. He's driving it, you know, 20, 30 yards past those guys. And that sort of drives it home. It's okay. Okay. This guy's not messing around at that point. You know, he led by, by three or four strokes too. So, um, you know, these guys, it length's not a problem. And I think if this would have been played on a course where there were narrow fairways, um, you know, we're having a different story, but the fairways were wide and, uh, you know, I, I don't. I think there's also something to be said that some guys hit the fairways and some guys didn't. The top three players in the world didn't hit fairways, didn't make putts, and that's why they they didn't make it to the weekend. You and you bring up some of those guys that didn't make it. The Rory McIlroy's, uh, Jordan Spieth wasn't really in contention all that much. And Travis and I were discussing earlier in the podcast uh, just regarding the the whole U.S. Open and the lack of stars that really seemed to be helping golf out. You know, Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy really came to to shine, you know, a few years back or, you know, even a couple years ago for Jordan Spieth. But the last seven majors have been won all by first-time major winners. Mm-hmm. And the ratings weren't very good for the U.S. Open. I, I just think that 
unless you're there, I mean, Brooks Kepka doesn't do anything for a lot of us. You look at the top 10 going into Sunday, and really, if there's one name that you would want to watch, it was Ricky Fowler. So I, I just think that golf needs someone to really take the bull by the horns and start dominating. No one will dominate the way Tiger Woods did, but someone's got to do it because otherwise you're just not going to be able to get that casual golf fan in there and watching, yeah. especially on the weekend. Yeah. I have, I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I, I think, you know, I, I just think it's, it's so evenly matched at this point. You just have a litany of guys and Brooke Kepka is probably one of those guys who mm-hmm. people think he's going to be a, a multiple time major winner, but it's probably not going to be five, you know, it's going to be two or three or four. And, uh, you know, who knows how long that's going to take him. I think you just put him in the speed. Day, Dustin Johnson, all those yeah. guys. It's just a pile of guys. And, and you know, I, I certainly would agree with what you're saying. They need a, a Tiger or even to a lesser extent they need a Phil. And they're just not going to get that for a while. I, you know, I think Ricky Fowler is probably the most – I mean, he was the fan favorite there aside from uh, maybe – uh, Steve Stricker because he was a Wisconsin guy and Andrew Beef Johnston who has the amazing RV sponsorship they were the two fan favorites but um, you know I, I you know people wanted Ricky Fowler to win he had a great round on the first day and then just you know, never was really able to make the move uh, that he needed to make and you know when he kept to shoot 65 or whatever he shot on Sunday nobody's going to catch him anyway but um, you know I think in some ways if you're if you're a golf fan uh, even a casual fan like I would say I am, um, you know, there hasn't been a better time to be a golf fan, but that doesn't necessarily bring new guys on board. And I think that's you know, the issue they're, they're sort of running into is, you know, you've got a lot of really great players, but nobody's going to set themselves apart like Tiger Woods. And I don't see that, that really changing for a while. So it's interesting. I, and I agree. There are a lot of good players out there, and maybe – and that that's great for the sport that you have this strong field. But I just think if you really want people to get excited about a guy who could maybe win consistently. I mean, everyone talks about, you know, oh, we hate it when the Yankees are in the postseason or, you know, the Duke Blue Devils, the, the Los right. Angeles Lakers. And, oh, we want new, you know, we want fresh blood in there. We want new new teams and and whatnot. But, the, but ratings indicate that when they aren't in it that the ratings just aren't that good because not as many people are watching and i think that same thing can be applied for golf if you don't have some star in contention and like say rory McIlroy, jordan spieth you know dustin johnson i think it's ultimately going to hurt the sport because even some of the most avid golf fans probably didn't watch much on sunday because it just didn't seem that enticing of a leaderboard in a final round yeah, I mean, I think if you're a golf fan, uh, it's the U.S. Open, you're watching, you know, because it was close. There were so many, you know, going into Sunday, the leaderboard was packed. may not have been all, you know, household names, but, um, you know, I would I would say maybe as a casual fan, that, that's more of the case. Um, you know, I would also make the argument that golf has a couple guys who could maybe transcend the, the sport in a way similar to Tiger. Not like Tiger, but to a lesser extent, you know, along those lines. Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, and Roy McIlroy are probably those types of guys. I would probably put Ricky Fowler in there. But they're either too erratic or there's just too many other guys that are keeping them from sort of dominating. I mean, you look at, look at the other guys when Tiger was first starting out and it really got, there was nobody there. I mean, mm-hmm. he had the run of the place. And that's, 
that's part of it too is that there's just not there's not that kind of freedom for one guy to just roll everybody I mean it sort of stuck out to me when they started showing uh, some of the stats after the the match or the the round on Sunday that the Tiger won that that U.S. Open in 2000 at Pebble Beach by 15 strokes there was nobody within 15 strokes from winning I mean that's that's dominance we're not going to see again and I you know in some ways to compare to that I, I don't think is necessarily fair very fair point. Um, I had mentioned David's name uh, in our discussion with Travis, and I, I reached out to him, so he had some thoughts. I'll read that here a little bit later on in the podcast. But let's right. switch over to hockey now because uh, the expansion draft going on Wednesday night along with the NHL awards show. And Sunday was that big day coming out here, seeing who all the, you know, what teams were going to protect and whatnot. And the wild. I have to admit, when I saw this list, I was I was a little bummed out because they didn't protect Marco Scandella like I thought they should. Uh, you, you look at this list here, and Halla is a guy that they didn't uh, take down. They they protected Coyle, Granlund, Koivu, Niederreiter, Parise, Pominville, and Zucker. They let Stall kind of be out there still. They protected Brodine, even though they had you know sought trade offers for him they've exposed Dumba and Scandella I would say would be the two biggest ones because they protected Sir Spurgeon and Suter uh, as well as Brodeen so when you look at this I, I was a little disappointed in the list just because I really like Hala I think he's a good young player and I would hope that Vegas doesn't scoop him up it's going on right now as we're recording this uh, and then Scandella, as well. I think he's a. I think he's a sneaky good defenseman, and I would hate to lose him. But when you saw the initial list of who the Wild were protecting, what did you think of it? I thought it was basically what we could expect. Yep. I mean, I think uh, in a lot of ways they just didn't have a lot of choices. You know, we, we ran through the list a couple times. You know, we kind of marked the guys that they had to keep. There was just a lot of them, and there's just a lot of guys they couldn't uh, either couldn't give up or. You know, weren't going to give up, and uh, they they were kind of left with what they 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 had out there. Uh, the Wild are sort of in this precarious situation, as we've sort of previously profiled. That um, you know they've got a lot of young players, and just not a lot of not a lot of guys that are completely established enough to, to for the Wild to say, "Yeah, we got to protect them." And so that's how you end up with with this list. I will I will jump in to say that the uh, Michael Russo the start to be him. Yep. The, uh, he says here that uh, Eric Hall is going to be the guy that's going to go to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Basically, uh, you know, the Wild are going to get a, a third-round pick in return for him. And then they're uh, essentially, it's not not exactly how it's going to work. But, and then uh, Alex Chooch, who I guess is a guy who's not really top of mind, he's going to be traded uh, to Vegas. And that's basically going to be Minnesota's way of protecting Scandella, Dumba, and Stahl. So uh, that's uh, they're basically going to give up Hala, and they're going to give up another guy, Al Tuch, and that's uh, that's going to be it. So um, that seems to be a, you know maybe the best case scenario I think for the Wild. That just sucks the losing Hala. I mean I know he doesn't he's not always he doesn't score a lot of goals but he does come up with some big moments there in pressure situations. Yes, they get a third round pick, but the Wild. I mean. I guess that's great that they can maybe re-sign Stahl. Maybe they can re-sign, uh, you know, uh, Hansel as well. Uh, but do you think this is the best 
outcome overall for the Wild? I think so. You know, I think the fact that that you you know you're only giving up one of them. Um, you know, that was basically the, the way it seemed like it was going to play out. But you didn't want them to somehow scoop up two, and so um, that's a good way for this to basically shake out for for the Wild. And they they do get a third round pick in return. I guess that's not nothing. Rather than in some right. cases, uh, you know, teams are just going to pluck their their guys. I think you know one part of this expansion draft that we didn't really explore is just the the deal making that that was made in the last 48 hours to sort of protect guys and uh, really amazing. I'm sure there'll be some very interesting stories that come out of sort of how some of these teams negotiated because they, they wanted to protect guys or, you know, basically say, you can have this guy who can work out some sort of deal basically to protect all these other guys. I, I don't remember the teams, but I remember there were a couple teams that basically, you know, worked out things like that. So that's pretty amazing. Yep, it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of it goes and uh, we can see what the Wild can do here on out. Marcus, I always appreciate the time. Uh, you know, hockey playoff, it's it's you and me. We we, we love our hockey. Uh, appreciate you coming on all these weeks. I'll give you a little bit of a breather here, a little bit of a break, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again here soon, okay? That sounds good. Uh, two, good two-man show uh, on the stage, good two-man show uh, on, on this uh, podcast as well. Yes. Uh, where will we be doing our two-man show next? I hear uh, maybe... The big stage, of course, is the Mitchell Corn Palace. Of um, course, yes. Uh, I was thinking maybe do we do we bring this up to North Dakota at all? Do we expand into to Minnesota to Iowa? What, where are we where are we looking at bringing this here? I think so. I think there's no there's basically no no stone that can go unturned. And you know, I you you love U.S. Bank Stadium. I don't know if you think you can you can sell out sixty thousand, or if you you know maybe we talk to them about. Uh, Kurt me off two thirds of the stadium and sell you know, fifteen thousand tickets, but give it some thought. Uh, give it some thought. What uh, I mean, if I think we could sell it out more than Alabama USC playing at US Bank Stadium. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There's the, there's the proclamation. Challenge accepted. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, Marcus. I'll talk to you later. Take care, man. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to join us. Uh, appreciate his time as always. Great stuff. So, yeah, sounds like Eric Halla going to the Las Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL. Don't love that from the Minnesota Wild standpoint, but they do recoup some picks back. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But let's uh, we'll, a couple more thoughts here, and we'll wrap up the Sports Block podcast for this week. Okay, and I wanted, uh, again, this, this whole golf discussion thing, Marcus says, you know, the sport's in good shape. I would tend to disagree with that, but, you know, Opinions, everything, you know, agree to disagree. And I, I do like what Marcus said. I like his points. But uh, when when Travis and I were discussing golf and, and the state in which it's at, and I've always been a fact that golf just has no stars. And I think a sport for it to really thrive to a degree has to have star power. And right now, golf has the stars like Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, but they aren't consistent. And golf needs a kind of consistent winner because there's been seven, again, great field, a lot of good players. Seven first-time major winners in the last seven majors. That's big. But, so, David's name got brought up in the discussion, so I reached out to him. And I just said, hey, um, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this if you think golf is in a good spot. So this is what David Schottenkirk replied back to me, saying every star has to start somewhere. Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, and Hideki Matsuyama are either already stars or will be stars. 
Brooks Kepka has won. Not a ton yet, but enough all over the world. The ratings were low, sure. Not a traditional U.S. Open scoring-wise, and not a traditional course. Certainly didn't help. There will be, there will never be another star that comes close to remotely driving golf ratings up like Tiger did. Never. Stop right there. I, th- I agree with that point completely. I'm, I don't necessarily agree about the course, but you're right. It is. It, he was right. It, it was non-traditional and. Hence, we saw a lot of low scoring. David continued by saying, If we get to a point where 8 to 10 guys from every corner of the world are consistently battling for and winning majors, I don't think we can ask for much more. Spieth, uh, DJ or Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Kepka, All-American. Rory, Europe, Dea, Australia, Hideki, Japan. The game at the top has never been this competitive, in my opinion. The majors will come from those guys down the line. The real story for me is the depth of 30 to 300 in the world. Excellent players that in any given week can get it going and win huge events. That has, dare I say, never been the case in the past. Again, it's probably fair to say ratings have peaked, but I don't think anyone at the top of the game frankly gives a damn about ratings. The prize purses continue to push higher year after year with or without the great ratings. The sponsorship money continues to pour in from elsewhere. That's that's what David said. I, I I respect his opinion. I really do. And yes, there could be some stars out of this that that are born, you know, the Brooks Kepkas. But that's what we need to see. I guess that's that's my whole point. Golf right now doesn't have any stars. Avid golf fans, and and David knows a lot about golf. Avid golf fans see these guys and say, oh, this guy's he's going to be a good one coming up down the line. We're still waiting for Ricky Fowler. As great as he is, we're still waiting for him to win a major. You know, I don't think, I don't believe Hideki Matsuyama's won yet, won one yet either. So, you could say there are really good guys, and those are the names we know. The Brooks Kepkas, the, the Danny Willits, the, I, I don't know, uh, the, the Brent Snedekers of the world, they don't do enough to, to turn the needle. Yes, the, the sponsorship dollars are coming in. The purses are going up. That's great. But at some point, there's going to be a saturated field. And they're going to say, okay, we can only get to this point again. And then it's going to trickle back down. But ratings do drive sports. They, they do matter. It's part of the television revenue that brings stuff in. Now, I don't believe golf has it kind of like the NBA or the NFL does since it's an individual sport. But I saw this phrase, and I don't necessarily like it, but niche sport. Is golf becoming a niche sport? I don't think so. But for golf to really be consistent and conscientious in everyone's minds or saying, oh, I'm going to flip over to this random tournament that's not a major. You need some... You, you need these guys to really build up and build that star power and start winning consistently. Have that bad guy... Or that, that really great guy out there that everyone is chasing. It seemed like Jordan was going to do that. Before, it seemed like maybe Rory was going to hold that. Those guys aren't there right now. They haven't seized the moment. And again, the field for golf is absolutely stacked. There are lots of great players out there. Good players, great players. As David said, can win on any given ter- in any given tournament. But if that's all we're going to have is just one guy win a tournament here and then the next weekend a, turn- a guy wins here, I, I, just, I just don't know how that's going to get casual sports fans 
to tune in and watch. Again, I'm stoked for the British Open. That sometimes has guys that you've never heard of because it's from all around the world, especially in Scotland and Northern Ireland and you know the United Kingdom. That uh, a heavy portion of them are the golfers in the tournament are from there. And again, you have the ones from the U.S. and the tops in the world as as well. But that tournament to me is is, is special, and I will continue to watch it regardless of who wins or you know who's on top in that tournament but that's the about the only one that will do it for me i'll watch the masters i'll watch it on saturday and sunday if i can for sure the last part on sunday the u.s open i didn't get have a chance to watch much of it at all i don't know if i'll I'll try for the pga championship but if i can't then then so be it until someone and i'm not trying to say i'm a fair weather golf fan but until someone can really start to dominate and be that that leader. I'm a, I'm fan. I'm a huge fan of Jordan Spieth and of Rory McIlroy. I want to see these guys take golf and just and run off with it. Start winning these majors, these tournaments consistently. Be that guy with the target on your back. Tiger Woods had it for years, and no one came close to him. That's not the case now. As David said, probably we'll never see it. He says it will never happen again. I never say never, but it's very unlikely. But Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, these are the guys that have to be consistently there and not miss cuts at the major tournaments. If you want people to care about your major tournaments as much as anything else, you need to have these star players there. They don't always have to win, and you're not going to throw the game by any stretch. You're, you're throw the match. I'm not advocating for that or saying that at all. But if, if golf really wants these people to tune in and hear more about, you know, hear some of these guys, you're going to learn about guys if your if your best players are playing around on Sunday and entering Sunday with just Ricky Fowler in the top ten. It doesn't grab a whole lot of people in terms of I'm I must see that this is must see television. Congratulations to Brooks Kepka though. Again, uh, top ten NBA draft uh, the mock draft or the the NBA draft is here. You'll you've by now probably heard about it because the pod, you're listening to this podcast and the NBA draft is already done. But one, uh, Markel Fultz going to Philadelphia. Two, uh, Lonzo Ball, L.A. Three, though, I, I, I think, you know, Josh Jackson not going to work out for Boston. I think Jason Tatum might be the sneaky pick here. If that's the case, is De'Aaron Fox going to slip to five to Sacramento? I would hope not. Sacramento's where, play, where dreams go to die, where your NBA's hopes are dashed. I don't. I don't know. I would say De'Aaron Fox goes four to Phoenix. Josh Jackson goes five to Sacramento. Where does Malik Monk fall into this? I can't see him slipping past eight to the Knicks, but I don't think he would last at that point. He's too. He's too dynamic. You know, you got uh, Markinen, the the kid from Arizona. You have Isaac from Florida State. You have Zach Collins from Gonzaga. There are a lot of good players in this NBA draft. 
It's going to be very intriguing to watch. And the Golden Knights, uh, yeah, they, Las Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft. They are uh, they keep taking players, and uh, yeah, Barakala is truly the pick. Then, then, uh, then so be it. But uh, the NHL awards always kind of an interesting watch. Should be interesting, but. Anyway, on that note, we'll say so long for this week. We'll be back in the, again next week. NBA draft reaction, so much more. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast online, available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. Otherwise, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken, and I'll have a link to it uh, posted. As always, about the middle to later part of the week. Summer is here. The podcast will get shorter before we. Rev it, rev it back up here for college football, which that means the return of Charlie Hildebrand. Marcus Traxler will be on as well, and of course, the one and only Travis Krenz. And yours truly here. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the week. Hope you enjoy the NBA draft. We'll be back to talk about it all next week here. Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening, and hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. <laughs>